So today is Diwali, the Hindu festival of lights, symbolizing the spiritual victory of light over darkness, good over evil, and knowledge over ignorance. It is a special observance for Hindus and maybe the larger world too. Then tomorrow is World Kindness Day, Thursday is National Tolerance Day, and Friday is World Peace Day. It is a good week of days to observe and celebrate. In keeping with all of those observances, I wanted to talk about compassion this morning, and I want to begin with a story I have shared with you before. There once was a little girl, Janie, age eight, whose mother sent her down the street and around the corner to the neighborhood store to buy a quart of milk. This was a time when you could allow a child to walk a block and a half from the home unattended. The little girl took longer than her mother anticipated, however, and when she finally came through the back door with the milk, her mother scolded her. What took you so long, she asked. You should have been back at least 10 minutes ago. There was a little boy whose bike was broken, Janie told her mom. I stopped to help him, she said. How could you help him, her mom inquired. You don't know anything about fixing bikes. No, Janie agreed, her eyes welling up. All I could do was help him cry. Her mother stared at her daughter for a moment and then enfolded her in her arms, taken with the child's sensitivity and caring. I helped him cry, the little girl told her mom. I couldn't fix his bike, so I helped him cry. Each time I think of this story, I am struck with the Tender, tenderness and poignancy of it. It's not that we don't hear of that kind of compassion, that kind of empathy these days, but it does seem to me at least that we hear less of it, that people have become meaner of late or apathetic or more self-involved, self-protective, self-centered, less kind in a scary world. Not all people, of course, but the culture at large, especially in the last few years, the culture at large and the world at large as well. We, so much of the culture, passively rebuff or dismiss the other, whomever we deem the other to be, or we actively deny, reject, or even hate those we perceive as outside of our own tribe. Sometimes we violate or abuse them simply because we see them as different or as interlopers who don't belong or as people who disagree with our views and values and are therefore worthy only of our contempt. You know what I'm talking about. It is all around us seemingly far too much of the time and it is frightening and disheartening demoralizing and unnerving, breeding a near hopelessness in even the strongest and most optimistic of us. And I have to wonder, where did kindness go? Where did caring go? Where went compassion and empathy? 
especially among the religious, for nearly every religion lifts up the values of love, compassion, and kindness, none more so than Christianity. Jesus was not ambiguous about this topic. There was nothing equivocal about his words. What is written in the law, he asked, to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, and with all of your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. There is nothing there to debate in that pronouncement, and yet sometimes it seems that too few in our self-proclaimed Christian culture even strive to abide by it. But even as I say those words, I know they are not true. Those of every religious persuasion and of no religious persuasion at all are out there on the front lines fighting the good fight, fighting for justice, battling for the victims of persecution, inequity, and too often violence. There are examples everywhere and every day of the kinds of self-sacrifice that are driven by empathy, compassion, caring, and kindness. And yet still, it sometimes seems that the long arc of the moral universe, as Martin Luther King discussed and our own Theodore Parker before him, is bending not toward justice, but rather toward apathy, antipathy, cruelty. How does one not lose hope? How do we not lose hope? Well, considering that we don't, as some wise person has said, have the luxury of despair, we simply press on. We find ways to press on and comrades with whom to do so. And we lift one another up by our individual and shared acts of compassion and kindness and love. Empathy is good too, and I want to talk about empathy a bit here this morning because it is both crucial to and gets in the way of our good works in the world. Empathy, as you know, is the sense of feeling that you are one with another, that you are walking in the shoes of another who is traveling an especially difficult journey. Empathy engages our imagination in our relating to another's circumstances or experiences very deeply and emotionally and often personally. Teaching children from a young age how to empathize with others is developmentally necessary to their ability to love and care for others in later life. For instance, Research suggests, according to Shuka Kalantari, in an article entitled Why We Should Teach Empathy to Preschoolers, that people who have an attachment to a pet are more empathetic, or 12 dogs, much more empathetic. She cites a study by the American Humane Association that shows that having an animal in the classroom even a small fish ups students' feelings of compassion and empathy toward one another, improving social interactions, class participation, and diminishing behavioral issues in the classroom. 
Kalantari writes of educators who bring their dogs to class for students to feed and water and groom, hands-on caring of another living being, or even just the nurturing of garden seeds helps develop the empathy required to personally understand the feelings and longings of another. We want this in our children. We need this in our children, this ability to imagine how others might feel and work to ease their pain or distress. Empathy is what drives people's desires to help abused dogs, according to Dr. Paul Bloom, professor of psychology at Yale. This is a good thing. It is what drives people to come to the aid of oiled wrench ducks or to the full-out assistance of a young child fallen into a pond, good and important things about which no one could argue. But such acts far too typically take the place of our paying heed to alleviating the suffering of millions of people in other countries or minorities in our own country. We so relate to the pain of one identified victim and we concentrate our energies there while ignoring or setting aside the very same or other pain of the masses with whom we don't so easily identify. So our caring is magnificent and wonderful and minuscule in terms of the infinite needs of the world. Dr. Bloom urges the development and use of compassion rather than empathy as the basis for our social policy and social justice efforts. He cites numerous neurological studies in making his case that compassion or the feeling for rather than with another is more productive in dealing with the issues of our day. Let me read you a bit from his article. There is also the body of research led by Tanya Singer in which people were trained to experience either empathy or compassion. In empathy training, people were instructed to try to feel what suffering people were feeling. In compassion training, sometimes called loving kindness meditation, they were told to direct warm thoughts toward others, but they were not to feel empathy, only positive feelings. Their brains were scanned while they did this, and it turns out that there was a neural difference in the two cases. Empathy training led to increased activation in the same parts of the brain that would be active if you were empathizing with the pain of someone you care about. Compassion training led to activation in other parts of the brain, which are involved in, among other things, reward and motivation. These students also revealed practical differences between empathy and compassion, Bloom continued. Empathy was difficult and unpleasant. It wore people out. This is consistent with other findings suggesting that vicarious suffering not only leads to bad decision-making, but also causes burnout and withdrawal. Compassion training, by contrast, led to better feelings on the part of the mediator and kinder behavior toward others. It has all the benefits of empathy and few of the costs. 
He cites other studies suggesting that limiting the impact of empathy actually made it easier to be kind. And concluding with this, I don't deny the lure of empathy. It is often irresistible to try to feel the world as others feel it, to vicariously experience their suffering, to listen to our hearts. It really does seem like a gift, one that enhances the life of the giver. The alternative, careful reasoning, mixed with a more distant compassion, seems cold and unfeeling. The main thing to be said in its favor is that it makes the world a better place. Bloom's article printed in the Wall Street Journal appeals to my intellect more than it does my emotion. He is right that careful reasoning mixed with a more distant compassion seems cold and unfeeling. I like the heart behind the story of a little girl who helped the little boy cry over his broken bike. But in fact, her tears did not fix the bike, nor did it address the cause of the broken bike, whether that was a pothole in the street, a tumble while swerving to avoid a stray dog, or insufficient training or experience in bicycling. Whatever the cause, it was not addressed. The children shared tears. The children's shared tears solved nothing having to do with the bike, solved nothing systemically, as we might say. But then again, I bet it made the little boy feel better. I bet it made the little boy feel better and made the little girl feel magnanimous in some way. Closer to the boy, closer to the hurts that exist in the world, closer to humanity. So I would not throw empathy out the window. I think it's crucial to the childhood development of a later compassion and kindness to necessary, necessary to a fairer, gentler world. But I think stepping away from the emotional draining of empathy into the warm, energizing caring of compassion is also wise. We can't afford to become fatigued in our work. We can't afford to burn out. There is far too much at stake. There are far too many lives at stake. There are far too many people, those who hate and those who are hated. There are far too many suffering people at stake. And so let us not get discouraged, but rather continue to find comrades among us with whom to press on, to press on and on, with a little bit of empathy, a little more compassion, and a lot, a lot of love. May it be so, and amen. <laughs>